Hello, and welcome to the Vineyard Bowling Green Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message and look forward to seeing you this Sunday. Amen. All right. So, uh, like I said, we're going to talk about some things that we value here at Vineyard Bowling Green. And I think it's good to revisit that every now and then. And I think it's really important. And we have an opportunity to do that this morning. Because every church body serves a purpose. I believe every church serves a purpose. And I believe it's, it serves a purpose to, to the larger part of the body of Christ as well. And every church has an opportunity to bring something special and unique to the table. And, um, and I think that's really important. And as the pastor of this church, I do not believe that we have the hidden formula on what is the best church in the world and how the church is supposed to be and everybody else is just, they haven't figured it out yet or anything like that. Um, it's nothing like that at all. We are not God's favorite. Um, Abby, please calm down. And, um, Okay, so I'm not saying like, hey, this is what we value and this is what we do. And if you do not value that or if you come from a church that's different, then you're wrong and you're not going to fit in here. That's not at all what I'm saying. Okay, um, I, but I do believe that, that we are serving a, 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 a part of, of, uh, of what God wants to do here in Bowling Green and Kentucky and that we will play and we are playing a valuable role in the kingdom. And it's one that, we are called to be a part of, and it's one that we should take some pride in, in a good way. And I'm excited about that. Um, and in order to be a relevant and substantial and growing community of believers, there must be an understanding of the kingdom of God on, on three different alignments. Okay, on three different alignments. There needs to be an understanding of, of what the church's purpose is. And I think the first one is just understanding the church as a whole. That we're part of the church as a whole, Right? Right now, there are churches all over the world meeting. All over the world, well, time changes, they're probably done and eating right now. But, and taking that beautiful Sunday nap if they can. But, um, churches all over the world are meeting and singing today about Jesus. And we are a part of that, okay? We're not above that. We're not under that. We are a part of that. We, are, we get to be a part of that, and I'm excited about that. So, understanding being part of the larger picture body of Christ, that's important. And then on top of that, we have a community inside of here, in our church. And that's extremely important. We have a solid community of families and friends and, and, and relationships inside this church, and that's important. And then also, we have you as an individual understanding your role, your purpose in life, um, just your calling, what you can bring to the table, excuse me, as an individual. And uh, we believe that, that God is... It, it wants all of that to be, to be really, really valued and to be really important because the Bible has mapped out a road for, for us to marry the three and raise a community of believers that understand that their role in the kingdom of God and provide a place for God's presence to cultivate something and to grow something and to build on something. Because the kingdom of God, if you haven't figured it out yet, it can be a little tricky it can be a little mysterious at times, but we intend here at Vineyard to create a simple and balanced approach to displaying God's glory and displaying God's goodness, and we want to live in its fullness. We want to live in, in, in God's fullness, what he has for us right now, and that sounds pretty vague, and that sounds pretty broad, but we believe that God has good stuff for us right here 
and right now. Does anybody else believe that? That we have good stuff, not only in the future, but also right now. Um, I am looking forward to experiencing heaven one day. I really am. But man, I really want to experience heaven here on earth as well. And that's a biblical and part of God's plan for us right now. And I want to tap into that for sure. And I want you guys to as well. Amen. And there is a culture that can be created that allows a community to love and care for each other in a way which will empower the truth and put the guts of the gospel on display for Bowling Green. And there is a truth to be discovered, right? To be discovered as believers while we carry on the work of Jesus. Go ahead and put up John 14, 12, Alyssa. This is one of my favorite scriptures. I use it quite often. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me, this is Jesus speaking, will do the same works I have done. And even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. And I not only want to believe that, but I want to live that. I really want to live that. The scripture is an awesome testimony of the faith that Christ has put inside of you. Right? He says that you're going to do greater works than me. Jesus is putting faith in you. He's not putting faith in me to tell you what to do. He's putting faith in you to respond to what God is calling you to do. He's putting that faith in you. Remember last week I mentioned something that is pretty important and pretty simple, and that is nothing in life is guaranteed. Nothing in life is guaranteed. Relationships, except one thing, that's where we're going to get to. There's the twist, sorry. So there's one thing that's guaranteed, not nothing, but... All right, relationships are not guaranteed. A successful career is not guaranteed. Money in the bank is not guaranteed. A long life is not guaranteed at all. Um, Jasmine and I and, and Coney and Bobby, we just attended a celebration of a life for a two-month-old baby that passed away. Uh, very sad from a family who loves Jesus and is doing just about everything right. They're doing everything, everything right, and their baby passed away last week from so nothing in life is guaranteed except one thing, and that is purpose. Because God loves you, you serve a purpose. Because God loves you, you serve a purpose. You have purpose from the moment you are formed to way beyond your passing. You have a purpose. All right? Little Ruby, the, the, the little baby of the, the life that we celebrated yesterday, only lived to be twin, 10 weeks old. 10 weeks old. And Ruby has a purpose. Ruby has a purpose. And I'm not saying that it was part of God's plan or anything, but, but there are many testimonies to be shared and to continue to be shared from the life and death of little baby Ruby. Nothing is guaranteed, but you have a purpose. Everybody here has a purpose. Yesterday, I watched two parents just worship Jesus with so much love and so much passion inside of their just confusion, frustration, right? Yesterday at this memorial service for this baby. And, and I saw purpose in her life. Even though it sucks, I saw purpose in her life. I went home and hugged my children a little bit longer yesterday. Already Ruby has given me something. Her parents have given me something. Because of the love that God has for you, your life, it serves a purpose. And no matter what happens, no matter what happens, God is to be glorified with your life. Whatever happens to it, God is to be glorified with your life. And someone is better off because of your life. And I absolutely believe every word I just said with all of my heart. Everybody here has a purpose. 
And I believe in this great testimony of Jesus in John 14, 12 that we just read. And take his words to heart, what he said, which allows us to bring out and strive for the true identity of ourselves through him. Jesus brought life to the community in which he lived by a tangible discipleship, by healing the sick, caring for the poor, caring for the broken, and displaying the heart of his father just by being good and doing what he was called to do. By being good and doing what he was called to do. And we want to do that here. And we want to raise a culture of that here. We want to bring life to our community, inside of our families, inside of our church. We want to bring life wherever we go and bring things to life that God has put in front of us, our school, right? Our, our jobs, whatever it is that God has put in front of us and where we are present at, we want to bring life into that. So how do we do that? The question is, how do we do that? How do we figure this all out? Well, there's lots of answers to that, right? There's lots of good books that give you direction. There's lots of podcasts. There's lots of sermons. There's, there's everything out there, teachings on how to be the best version of yourself and to follow the heart of God and to be in community. So many good answers out there. But this morning, I'm gonna try to make it really simple and consistent with who we are as a church and believe God has asked us to be here in Bowling Green. So we're going to briefly go over these values in which we believe God is calling upon us. And believe me, I could talk all day about each and every one of these, but just for time, we don't have time to sit there and go through all of them really, really in detail. So some of them are a little bit shorter than others, but I think these are really good for us to go over this morning. So are you guys with me? We on board? All right. So the first thing that we value here at Vineyard Bowling Green is the pursuit of the presence of God. All right. I'm going to get old school. Can you guys repeat after me? The pursuit of the presence of God. Here we go. The pursuit of the presence of God. Good job, class. All right. And we believe that when we come to the realization that God is with us here and now, because we believe that, there will be a culture of value and honor that shifts us. Okay? There's a shift that goes on inside of us that transforms us into emulating God's character, emulating God's attributes. That there's a transformation, there's a shift that happens inside of us when we are pursuing the presence of God. Exodus 33, 14 through 17, it's fine, I told, her, I told you the wrong one, sorry. I told you 15, just we'll run with it. 14, can you throw up 14 real quick? Throw up 14. I apologize. Go as fast as you can, Alyssa. Type, type, type faster. Got it? Everybody give Alyssa a hand clap. She loves it. All right. The Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. Then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and on your people, if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all the other people on earth. The Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked for. I look favorably on you and I know you by name. So that shows us that if we carry God's presence with us, it will go with us and it will be our identity. That God's presence will be our identity. So with that said, we believe that, that as we pursue the presence of God, it becomes our identity and we become transformed and we begin to emulate the characteristics of God. And did you know that becoming more like Jesus, 
is actually our destiny. Becoming more like Jesus is actually our destiny. Our destiny is to be conformed into more and more likeness of Christ. It's not just to remain the, the, the same, right? So a simple thought and question is that, is that do you expect in one year down the road or 10 years down the road that you could possibly be more like Jesus than you are today? Our destiny is to be more like Jesus. There's a phrase that I want us to chew on for a minute. And the saying is, it's, uh, it can, let's, let's keep it in context, okay? Because there's truth behind it. But uh, there, there's a principle that I really want us to, to kind of capture as well. And the saying is paralyzed by grace. So what does that mean? Because we hear something in the church all the time that is true. But I want us to, to understand something that comes with it. And, and, and what we're really talking about is the saying that people in us, in the church, we say all the time is, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. True. We are sinners saved by grace. That is absolutely true. That there is 100% truth in that saying. We are all sinners saved by grace. What that implies is, though, I'm just a sinner saved by grace, which that is true, okay? Except if we aren't careful, it can become a false identity. If we're not careful, it can become a false identity, meaning that the idea is that I am a sinner, that's what I do, right? And when I do that, I am being true to my role. I'm being true to who I am. And no one expresses it this way, but we live it out like this. God, I'm a sinner, I'll do my job, and you forgive sin, you do your job. So we actually miss out on a part of grace, because grace is then just shortened to forgiveness, okay? Grace is then just shortened to forgiveness. God, I'll do my job in sin, and you'll do your job and forgive. Or rather than paralyzing us like that, does grace actually empower us rather than just forgive us? Grace empowers us to become more like Jesus. So over time, and through your transformation by God, we can emulate the character of God and grow ourselves in those characteristics because of the grace of God that has empowered us to grow. And this becomes our identity. This becomes who we are. This is who we are known by. And we believe that this is revealed to us by pursuing the presence of God. When we pursue the presence of God, we see that the Lord is empowering us to grow. The Lord is empowering us to continue to move past our sin. The Lord is empowering us to become more like him and contribute faith, hope, and love into our families, into our schools, into our workplaces, into our community. So we continue to be transformed looking more like Jesus. Value number two, being led by the Spirit. Everybody say that. Being led by the Spirit. Good job. All right. We value being led by the Spirit, okay? God's presence allows us to not only understand our identity, but allows us to align with what God is wanting to do in his kingdom right now. In John 16, 3, um, it shows us that God's Spirit will guide us. And I could spend all morning talking about this one, but for time, we're going to move on to value number three. So value number two, being led by the Spirit. Everybody got that? All right, value number three, discipleship and community. Everybody say that. Discipleship and community. We're going to do this the whole way through, just so you know. I'm stubborn. We're going to do it. Discipleship and community. Y'all aren't falling asleep on me. All right, so when we equip the saints, 
led by the Spirit, which is what we value, it allows the Spirit to build the foundation for community. Okay? It allows the Spirit to build the foundation for community. I don't believe the church is supposed to be like a one-man show. Okay? I'm not the foundation of this church. It's a community. It takes a village to raise a village. And I believe God uses our strengths to fill the gaps of each other's weaknesses. And God uses our strengths to put us in positions of calling. But it takes all of us. And when we function together as a whole, we build not only a unified foundation, but a foundation that has limited holes and has limited cracks. And this building process is secured for the ages by each generation when grandfathers of the church, that's not an age, when grandfathers of the church disciple the fathers and the fathers disciple the sons. When we develop a structure of discipleship inside of a community, there are, are, are many um, many ways for this community to last for the ages to come. And there are many techniques of discipleship in building community, right? There's tons of them out there. I could, like, th- just Google it, right? There's tons of stuff out there on how to do it all right. And if you're not doing it this way, you're doing it wrong. Just Google John Maxwell, and he'll tell you 50 things to do right. And if you're not doing it, you're doing it wrong. And so, uh, like, there's, there's, every, there's so many resources out there how to build the perfect community. But we know at least I hope you know, no matter what process you go into, community takes time, okay? Because when you get people involved, you start getting offended at little things. You start getting frustrated at people. Somebody's going to let you down. Somebody has this unspoken expectation, and it's going to change. And all of a sudden, like, your back's up against the wall, and you can either run, or they don't do it exactly the way I do it, I'm out. Or they blah, 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 blah. Real community takes time. Real community is earned. And there's all these formulas and shortcuts and curriculums on how we can be efficient in our walk with the Lord. But the best version um, of community, in my opinion, is to model what's in the New Testament of discipleship, which emphasizes who one is and who one is becoming. And it's focused on building life together. You can't do discipleship alone and you cannot do community alone. Not just getting information is part of it too. There's a lot of parts of discipleship that's just gather information, right? Gather as much information as you can. Read as many books as you can. Listen to many podcasts as you can. Um, Find out as much information as you can. And the more information and knowledge you have, then that makes you a better disciple of Jesus. And we kind of have this traditional Western style of discipleship that has become more streamlined and just kind of dumps the responsibility on, on books and on curriculums and on podcasts and on pastors and leaders and all of these things, right? And we don't want to spoon feed people. We don't want to just spoon feed people, okay? That's definitely part of it at times, and there are times when we absolutely have to baby people. But, you know, we all get to this point in our life sometimes, at least at least I do, especially as a parent and, and at work where, you know, you're just like, someone just tell me what to do. Everybody get there? Occasionally, just someone tell me what to do, and I'll do it. Just tell me the right decision, and I'll do it. But that's not the way life works. And it's the same way in our relationship with each other, and it's the same way in our relationship with the Lord, that sometimes we just have to take responsibility and go and do things. And the church has stood through many tough things, many, many tough things. And last year, it was tested again, right? But I think the church is strained the most. Listen to me. 2020 was rough, but I think the church is actually strained the most during the mundane 
in boring seasons. I think that's the time where the church gets the most tension and the most strain because we ignore what God is doing oftentimes in the boring, mundane stuff. And the church will survive and become stronger than ever if we build a community that allows proper discipleship and we begin to see our sons become stronger than our fathers. And that leads me to our next one, which is radical radical generosity. Everybody say radical generosity. Good job. And we're going to spend a lot of time in the next really five weeks going into community. I'm, I'm really excited about that. Radical generosity. Radical generosity is also played in how we disciple and do community. If Michael has a great skill, if he does, we don't know yet. If Michael has a great skill that God has gifted in him, Michael needs to be generous with that gift and not only share it with the body of Christ, which he does, you know, when everything that Michael does for us, coming here each week and doing pretty much everything, but he also passes on that gift to others who share similar gifts. Radical generosity is part of discipleship. And there's something the church, in my opinion, can struggle with at times, is discipleship through radical generosity. But the foundation of generosity comes from serving. And when we serve generously to one another, it can look several different ways. We believe that God has shown his generosity to us by giving each of us gifts and skills to pass on to each other. And we intently serve and sacrifice for each other by being compassionate with our time, compassionate with our finances, compassionate with our skills, and compassionate with our abilities. Right? In John 3.16, we have a great example of God being so generous to us by giving his son so we have everlasting life. What a generous God. God has been ridiculously generous towards us. He's been ridiculously generous towards us and his intention is that we follow his example and become a radically generous people. Radically generous people, the kind of people rich in mercy, rich in forgiveness, rich in good deeds, and we are convinced that we should be forced, if we are convinced to be, if we are to choose between wisdom and generosity, we should choose generosity. If we are to choose between wisdom and generosity, we are to choose generosity. The very nature of Jesus is founded on generosity. Scriptures are saturated with the backdrop of generosity, and a healthy community does not exist without radical generosity. Generosity is an action. That is extremely important. Generosity is an action. It is not something that can exist only in some ideological state that just like is an idea, right? That's the beauty of generosity. It becomes alive when the heart, mind, and soul are triggered, but then something is actually done. Generosity is not an idea. It's not a philosophy. It's an action. Those kids are nuts. Generosity does not happen when it just remains a good idea. And that's why we choose generosity over wisdom. Because there's action involved. There are several great stories that I'll be sharing in the next two weeks about displays of radical generosity in this church. Um, And it's going to be a huge honor to share those in the next couple weeks that I'm really excited about. So number three, radical generosity. Number four, fruits of the spirit. 
Everybody say that. Fruits of the Spirit. Value number four at this church is fruits of the Spirit. We believe that life can and should be lived in the fullness of God. And God, um, God gave and sacrificed what was most precious to him in order to live, for us to live in his fullness. And the fruits of the Spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, which we can find in Galatians 5, are the foothold to helping us live in unity with each other in God's fullness. Okay? The fruits of the Spirit are highly um, just kind of not overlooked or left out, but it feels like it's almost something we just kind of grow above. Like the fruits of the Spirit. I have, I need patience, yeah, but do you know what just happened? Right? It's kind of like we grow out and we just kind of reserve fruits of the Spirit for just a little go-to craft in the nursery. Here you go, kids, cut out some purple paper and circle it, and that's a grape, and that's patience. Good job. You guys are getting it. But if you value the fruits of the Spirit, it's going to be one of the hardest things you do in your life. It's going to be so tough to value the fruits of the Spirit in your life. The fruits of the Spirit are very hard to sometimes really take ownership of and to really value, but we intend on reestablishing what it looks like to reconcile, forgive, and honor each other in order to bring those fruits to life. And this one is huge. This one is so important. Each and every one of us is an original. I really believe that. And we have specific interests. We have specific ideas and, and likes and dislikes. And because of all that, we can develop different cultures. We can all develop different cultures, even inside this church. We all have different types of cultures. And some cultures are, 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 are good and some cultures are bad, right? Not just in here, just outside. Some cultures are good and some cultures are bad. And it seems like we go to the extremes quite often. We either create a culture that lacks the evidence of the fruits of the Spirit or we create a culture that is kind of obsessed with the fruits of the Spirit and we abuse the fruits of the Spirit. In a culture that really lacks loving others, being radically generous and compassionate, right, we don't really see the evidence of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness in a culture that really lacks loving others, in a culture that really lacks being radically generous, right? We, we kind of miss out on the fruits of the Spirit in that kind of culture. And we certainly can find that type of culture in the church as well. And when we can certainly find that missing in our own hearts as well, right? We can certainly find at times struggling with patience, we can certainly find us at times struggling with kindness and self-control and all of these things. But we have to generate this culture. Um, as a parent, I'm learning that there is this thing called tough love, right? There's this thing called tough love. There's this thing called mandatory joy. I'm just kidding. I just can't wait to try that one on my kids in vacation. We are going to have fun. You're going to like it. You're going to laugh. You're going to enjoy each other, whether you like it or not. Anybody else have that? But there's this thing called tough love. And what I'm seeing is that when Leon and Everest are fighting, as the fight grows, my interference, anticip in, 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 interference intensifies as well. Let's say that right? Intensifies. Here we go. Sorry. Intensifies. So as their fight grows, my interference intensifies. Um, because I love them and I don't want one to get hurt or anything like that. So it can start off with, Leon, stop hitting her. Everest, stop biting Leon. Then it turns into, okay, I'm going to grab one of them. 
and it can turn and I'm going to separate them. I'm going to pull them away, right? There is a thing of being love and patient and kindness, but having some power behind it. Having something behind it that just doesn't just say, well, just everything's fine, everything's great. Let's just love and overlook everything, right? No. Let's not overlook the importance of these fruits, right? And love can be tough lesson at times. It can be a tough lesson. So can patience and kindness. All of them can be tough lessons. And when we live without any boundaries and we just say, oh, the fruits of the Spirit are just love everybody and just everything's okay. And if we live without any boundaries in our life, we can find ourselves really lost and confused without God at the center of our life. So let's not overlook the importance of these fruits in our life. And they are evidence that God is with you and transforming you. And the last value that I want to share this morning is one that I, I, I shared last week a little bit, and that is stories. Okay, so our fifth value is stories. Everybody say stories. Good job. We believe that everyone has a purpose. We had talked about that. Everyone has a purpose and is able to bring something to the table. And God is writing a story with our lives. And there is so much to benefit as we live that together and we are vulnerable and transparent with each other. Um, I shared a story about um, a, a devotional that I'm going through. And the couple, um, they, uh, uh, they, they write about how they do a crossword puzzle every every morning. And I, and I shared this with you guys last week as well, but they, they do a crossword puzzle. And if you've played the crossword puzzles, you know that um, you, if you get stuck on a word, right, you don't sit there and just try to figure out that word for, for minutes, right? You move on to the other ones because as you, as you figure out other words, it can unlock clues to the one that you're stuck on, right? Makes sense? Everybody getting this visual? Anybody? Okay. So, the thing about it is you may be stuck in an area in your life. There may be a moment in your life where you're just stuck. Something's just jammed. You're not sure what's going on in your heart. You're not sure what God is calling you to do in the moment. You just don't know. But then all of a sudden, maybe a story from Jasmine's life, I remember. Or there's something that Victoria said to me that I remember. And all of a sudden, I get another letter for the, I get another clue. And it helps unstick and unjam me in my life, in my situation. And so I think stories are something to be really valued in our church. And we're gonna do a better job at telling stories of each other's lives in our church. And I'm excited about that as well. Last week I got together with someone who's got an incredible story. And so we met for the first time talking specifically about that, getting ready to be shared with you all. We're going to record just a little podcast episode that's going to be special for this with this incredible story about someone in our church that I'm super excited to get out and, and for you guys to hear because this is someone who comes in and shares and gives almost every week and you won't know. It's an awesome story. That's a teaser. So, um, no, but just being able to share these stories, it doesn't just happen in recording a, an episode that we're going to put out. Yeah, we're going to do a better job of like making videos and stuff like that, but in small groups. When God puts something on your heart to text somebody or to call somebody, all of us have something to contribute. And all of us can say, hey, I can relate to that because of something that happened in my life. And I'm going to encourage that person who's walking through this loss or walking through this pain or is dealing with this confusion in their life. I'm going to share part of my story with them. And I'm going to make sure they know that they aren't alone. 
And so that's something that we value here at this church. And it's something new that we've added on, like we talked about last week. But that's something we're going to do a better job of, of displaying in our church that I'm really excited about. About you guys getting out there more and saying, hey, this is what happened in my life. This is how I, I, I overcame it. Or I'm in the middle of it right now. This is what's going on. And I think that we all can contribute faith, hope, and love in each other's lives when we develop this atmosphere and culture of transparency, vulnerability, and encouragement. We're going to encourage the heck out of each other. I'm excited about that. Amen? Amen. Hey, Bobby, Michael, come on up.